All right. So today, searching for Happy's podcast, we have a guest, and she is Jackie Story. And Jackie, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a great discussion because Jackie is a sports psychologist and she works for Elite Performance. And we're going to put her links and contact information at the end of this podcast. So anybody that wants to reach out to her can. But I'm, I've always been particularly interested in, in how you know, when people choke or when anxiety starts to get in the way and it impacts our ability to perform at the level that we know we're capable of. So this podcast is really for anybody that's ever choked, anybody who, who's an athlete who's out there and they're performing and they're like going, I, I just can't perform the way I'd like to be performing today. Something's off and I can't pinpoint it. I don't understand it. Sometimes it just feels like it's out of sync. You're not in the zone. And why is that? What are these underlying factors that get in the way and block us from pe performing at the level that we're capable of? So Jackie, tell us a little bit about your, you and how you got into sports psychology and, and who you're working with. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I've always really loved sports and I ran cross country track and field and I loved it so much that I decided to be a walk on at Eastern Michigan University. And um, when I had to leave that university, another one couldn't let me on due to roster issues. So I said, that's fine. I'm going to start coaching. So I started coaching when I was 19 years old, um, helping other athletes. And I decided that this is where I'm meant to be. I really enjoy watching these athletes reach to another level. So then when I'm 20, uh, I had another division four school just hand me a program and say, we want you to build it. We saw what you did as an assistant. We want you to be a head coach and build this program from scratch. Wow. So I said, okay, super That's, young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was really life-changing because you could see that athletes need sports, you know, um, it, I'm not going to say that's part of who they are because we don't want to just say that we identify only as an athlete, but it's a big part of their life. It's a way that they cope and have stress relief. It's their time either away from a stressful life from school or a stressful life from work or home. Yeah. And it's like their safe place. Yeah. And yeah. eventually I made my way to West Michigan got involved with a division one school, which was way bigger than division four. It feels like a small college and just being able to, again, build a program that wasn't so much a winning program. They wanted me in the distance area for cross country track and field because we wanted to build something that wasn't there. And I said, okay, I've done, I've done that several times before I'll do it again. And, yeah. and that's okay. And what I found is when I started there, there was a lack of confidence. And so when we look at anxiety, I kind of have like five realms of anxiety and one being there was a lack of confidence. Mm. Why should I even run a two mile? I'm not good at it. Mm. And so if I did put people in a two mile, they would just jog because what value did they have? What self-worth did they have? So it was really not only building a program, but building an opportunity to build the human being that was actually performing in these events. Right. And I had a kid come up to me and he goes, what does it take to win? And I said, I don't think you want to know the answer to that question. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And I said, okay, every morning in the summer, come to the school. And if anybody wants to run, they can run. And so that's kind of how we started that. We started building because we started to build this trust. He trusted me, I trusted him, and then his teammates started trusting. So when we look at anxiety, I also look at trust. How much trust do we have in each other? Mm -hmm. And it was the first time they won conference. It took 32 years for a school to win conference, but they won the conference. And it took a lot of trust and confidence. You have confidence because you put in the work. You trust right. each other because you held each other accountable 
for doing what needed to be done. Mm. Now, athletes still choke. <laughs> yeah, well, I like what you said, because like when you, you, you told him when he asked you, you know, what do I need to, to win? And you're like, well, show up every morning. And, and immediately, you're really emphasizing that it, it requires discipline and work. And that's the yeah. standards, right? That's like the high standards that people talk about. And you bring up a good point because when we've talked before, you said there was somebody who believed in high standards and low, and low expectations. expectations. Yeah. 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 And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And I always saw myself as a coach, as a teacher. I live for the high expectations. I expect you to do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. But what does expectation actually mean? So mm-hmm. I looked it up. Okay. And an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. Mm-hmm. So I thought about it and I'm like, okay, so what, what is the difference between an expectation and a high standard? So I looked up high standards. Like, what does Google say yeah. about the high standards? And I, I definitely like this definition a lot better when you're building a program, when you're trying to get the athletes to overcome those barriers. A quality of being that is outstanding or extremely good. Yeah. A quality of being. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah. It's really. And it's not this hope. Like, I hope this happens. Right. But it's the quality on how you're doing it. You know, I could have had those kids show up in, in the summer and just mess around, play tag, you know, not be disciplined. They're just showing up. Right. And that's the right. hope. Well, you show up so magic should happen right and it's not magic it's it is that quality that you're putting into it and it doesn't mean that you can't have fun with it either because if you're not having fun then the athletes aren't going to enjoy it and then they're not going to move to that that next level it's going to feel like a job more than it's going to feel like i love this and i want to go do it again i want to go compete again you know Mm -hmm. they're like we have to go compete again right okay so yeah I looked up those definitions and I'm going to try it high standards because it's the quality that we want out of it. Yeah. So when you say like, when you're, when you talk about trust and you develop the the trust and that's a big part of the equation for you, I mean, how do you do that? And what does that do to the mindset of the athletes that you work with? So how do you develop and build that trust? And then what does it do to their mindset? Well, I saw a lot of memes too. Be fearful of the team who loves each other. I was like, whew. But in order to love somebody or even something, there has to be that trust involved, right? You're giving a piece to that other person. And we do that in a team. And so for a team, vulnerability is huge. Getting them to open up, getting them to know that within the team dynamic, there is a safe space. And so something that a lot of teams can work on um, is just asking three questions and they all begin with H, um, asking an athlete, what is a highlight? If you're working with high school, junior high, it could even be college. Um, Who is your hero? And what has been a hardship? And so highlight hero hardship. And you're gonna learn a lot about the athletes individuals, you'll know kind of their background and where they're coming from, which is developing trust. Like as a coach, I would never say anything about the individual. It's a safe space, whatever is said stays in the circle, but then they get to understand I'm not the only one that had a hard time in junior high. And then they start connecting that way. Like you're a person, just like I'm a person and together we bond over this connection, knowing that I'm not alone. Yeah. And I think that's what a, a lot of kids want to know is I'm not alone when I'm on a team. I'm not alone in the world. I'm not alone in school Yeah. and giving them that safe spot. Um, and so, so those, that's one way that I practice team vulnerability and start to build that trust. And I tell them ahead of time, I am not a vulnerable person. This yeah. makes me feel very uncomfortable, but I'm willing to practice this with you because there is a lot of good in it. And even um, there's a Netflix documentary with Brene Brown um, and she talks about the importance of vulnerability. If you want to have a strong connection with somebody, 
it has to start with vulnerability. So I've done a lot of self work myself to get myself better in that space for the benefit of the team. Yeah. And if I can, if I can muster up this courage, cause it takes a lot of courage, right? Yeah. And then they can take up that courage. They can almost be fearless when they're out there on the field. You know, it's right? interesting. Were- yeah, Jackie, you know, it's so interesting that you say that because, you know, I was an athlete for years. And then even in college, I was an athlete in every team that I was involved in. That was that where we won, like the championship, there was, there was a special bond that's, and I've always said this too, it's really strange, but you can't, you can't even describe it, but it is different than the teams where you don't really win on. There's like this special bond that forms and everybody are like, like, we're like my brothers on these teams that I was on. There was just, there was a connection. There was a deeper level of connection. And, and I think it, it does have a lot to do with success, what you're talking about. Because that, that allows them, like I said, I'm not, I'm not good with vulnerability, but that takes a lot of courage for some people. If there were people like me on the team, that's going to take courage to actually say something when Mm -hmm. you don't want to say something. Now that might be too big for somebody who's starting out or a new coach. So something else that could also be worked on to start building the trust, right? It's all about building this foundation um, is I call it attitude for gratitude. And there's many different ways that you can do this. Um, One year I made sure everybody um, had somebody to write to, but they had to write letters on why they're grateful for that teammate. And so they're just writing to one other person. These are all the reasons why I'm grateful for you. And then they would sign it at the bottom and I would make sure that everybody had a list. And so at least if somebody felt on the outskirts of the team, maybe they could feel connected to that one other person. And then that way they could maybe start forming a bond and then they could start feeling connected. Like instead of being on the outskirts of the team, like, come on, join our group or come eat with me at lunch, you know, and we can start building that way. Um, I've also had it where I would have an inner circle and then an outer circle and they had 30 seconds to talk to the individual that they were facing on why they're grateful for them on the team. And they had to do that for every single person. So mm-hmm. it might've taken the entire time, but a week later when I have freshmen coming up saying, Can we do that again. Like I yeah. felt really good. We want the athletes to feel good. We want them to feel good about themselves. So we're building confidence when we practice this attitude for gratitude, they're building trust within the team. So we have confidence. We have trust and then we have, I feel good. And yeah. when an athlete feels good, Ooh, look they're going to perform well. Yeah. That's right. Look out. Yeah. So, I mean, great, those are Jackie. just I love pieces. that. I love what you're doing, man. That's, that's really cool stuff. Thank you. That is really cool stuff. Yeah. To help, help yeah, these, yeah. help the team bond like that. And you have this process to do it. Very powerful. Well, and especially on a cross country team, I have 18, 19 year olds and then 14 year olds. So there's a big age gap too, where they might not even see each other in school. And this is the only time they get to be together. So how do you build that trust when they're not in the same classes? They're not in the same hallway. And like I said, division one is a very big school. Mm -hmm. Um, Division four, they might see each other like cross the road. (laughs) It's very small. Um, But especially in a bigger school setting, just setting aside that time is worth it. And that's what a lot of coaches don't see is like, oh, it's another thing. Well, no, it's not another thing. It's putting ice, icing on your cake. Mm -hmm. You know, you want these things for your athlete. You want them to feel it, but you can't tell them how to feel. They have to experience it. Mm -hmm. And so building trust in that, that capacity of vulnerability hands down. It's beautiful when you see it. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talk about that lack of trust, just in an individual. So we're trying to build that trust maybe between athlete coach or athlete athlete, um, maybe trust in self. A lot of times when individuals are, are choking out on the field, on the court, they're having a lack of trust within themselves. So then digging just a little deeper, I like to have them list out five. What are your five strengths that you have? And if they can't 
count out five things that they're good at, things that they, and it's what they believe, not what I believe. Yeah. But what do they think they're good at? If they're struggling, that means they're not trusting themselves and we have to rebuild it. So this is where us as a coach, we look at it and like, well, what did you do in practice that went really well? What did you do in your competition? And have them just think about the small things. Everybody thinks it has to be about winning. And, and that's not how we build programs. That's not how we build kids up to have them feel good about themselves. What are they doing really well that they're proud of? And then that, that pride that they're gaining once they see like, I'm, I'm pretty good at never giving up. Okay, use that in your next race. Use that in your next game. Never give up. Show us what that looks like. Then they start trusting themselves. I am an athlete that deserves to be here because I'm strong and I never give up. And we never talked about winning, but then all of a sudden the results start speaking for themselves. Yeah. Because for that moment, they trust in their own ability and they, can, they trust that they can do it. And seeing them believe in themselves is so much more important because you need to believe in yourself when you're at school and you're taking a test that you're, what you're doing is right. Or you need to trust yourself that you're good enough for that job interview and there's nobody else like you. And people can see when you don't have that confidence and they ask, what are you good at? And you can't answer that. So you know, true. and so we want to build those lifelong skills inside a sport. If you were to help somebody, because that's, I, I mean, I wish you were around when I was wrestling in college. I needed you so bad, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you're like, somebody wants to go, like you said, you know, like even in an interview for a lot of people that are out there and, and they're trying to find their first job, a lot of these grad graduate people, you know, students are out there and they're, they're, you know, going on interview after interview, but you're right. I mean, a lot of them, they, they have confidence issues, right? They don't, and a confidence issue is a lack of trust yes. in themselves. So what would you say to them, you know, that are, they're, you know, they're sending out applications, they're pursuing a variety of, of uh, opportunities, they're getting in front of some people, and, uh, and they don't want it. They want to be at their best. What can you, what can you give them? I mean, what can you help them to better trust themselves in that situation? In that scenario, you know, it's almost like you're making me think of baseball, softball right now, where that's a game of failure, <laughs> right? And if you're trying to get into a highly competitive job or market, yeah. You know that going forward, you have to have the strategies that if they don't choose you, that's not maybe something that you did. That's outside of your control. And mm -hmm. so we want to reframe the thinking, what is in this person's control, right? How prepared are they? Did they look into the business that they're trying to get into? Um, did they have a good resume? Did they have letters of recommendation, you know, all of the things that they have control of, and that's the part that they should be proud of. Mm -hmm. But if they're hired or not, that's not in their control. And a lot of people take it upon themselves. And I, I know that I did it, you know, education in Michigan, you might've been around at that time. Um, there were literally no jobs and teachers were being laid off because there was no money in the system. And so when you're graduating, and knowing that there wasn't a single teaching job out there, that's a scary situation, but you also have to look at it that it's not in your control. So yeah. what can we do in our control? Well, we gotcha. can gain experience. Um, if you're in the teaching realm, you could do substitute teaching, you can do tutoring, you know, all of those things are inside of your control, just like in baseball, right. softball, you can't control your opponents. You struck out, but if you let that strikeout defeat you for the entire game, that's gonna impact the rest of the game. So we have to shake it off. We have to learn to cope with that so we can move on to either our next play, our next move, our next interview and not take offense to it because even you might not have been the candidate that is best for the job or what they're looking for. Sure. You might not yeah. even know that, you know? Yeah. And so those things are not in your control. If they're looking, situation for me, um, they were looking for an economics teacher and I was working more of the strategy of history, social studies. That's outside of my control. I wasn't pushing more towards economics. So 
what is in our control, what is outside of our control, and then that positive self-talk that you are good enough. It was just not met in the cards at that, that time. If you strike out, be able to shake it off, take a deep breath in and out. You are still an advocate for the team. You're still a team player. You can still support your teammates. And then you focus on the next play. We don't give up right when we strike out, right? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. Baseball, softball is 98% failure. Yeah, and so yeah. it's only the teams that overcome that failure are the teams that continue to pursue greatness. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what it, it, how the tide has changed though, you know, like, like there's, there's a shortage of teachers everywhere. Now there's like so many jobs, <laughs> nobody wants to teach anymore. It's like, you can't find teachers in, in DC and like in this, all, it's just like, it's crazy right now. It is. I don't know. Is it the same thing in uh, Michigan as well? Yeah. It's a bit of a struggle, but everything will work out in the end. Yeah. I fully believe that. So it'll be I okay. I wouldn't want to be administrators trying to find <laughs> teachers because there's such a shortage. And so it's a, yeah, it's tough. All right. So we got, we got trust and, um, and then, you know, really stay focused on what you control. And not yeah. what you can't control, because you're right, that produces a tremendous amount of anxiety when you go there. Yep. It's very, very true. And that, so, see, that's what I love about talking to you already. And I this is what I love about sports, because when you talk about the psychology of sports, you're really talking about how you can apply all of these aspects that you're offering to life. It's all about life. Absolutely. Every aspect of it. If you can figure out how to move through challenges and blocks that come up in your thoughts and your ideas um, and perform well, you will figure out how to do that in life as well. I fully agree with that. I mean, sport teaches us so much how to work together. You know, if you can learn exactly. to trust another human being, you know, that's going to benefit you in future relationships too, you that's know, true. and um yeah, so that lack of control and then also that lack of confidence. Yeah. So if we're looking at confidence, you're right that we're looking at that lack of trust. So how do we build that self-confidence if there's no trust there? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of research that shows if you can see it, you can be it. Your physical body will follow what the mind is telling you. Right. And so visualization can be a very powerful tool. And... This can look very different for many different sports. You could be looking at um, a video, a video of yourself playing the game. You could look at a video of Olympians or world competitions like world track and field championships were happening in Eugene, Oregon, just recently over the weekend. Um, you could look at a map if it's cross country and kind of trace with your finger and how exactly you're going to see yourself running this competition or simply just closing your eyes and watching yourself as if it's a movie and seeing yourself do it. Because again, whatever your mind thinks, the body's gonna do. And mm -hmm. we see that time and time again. If we tell our physical body, if it, you know, something's not moving, our toes aren't moving and we really focus and the mind tells it to move, it's going to move. And so if we can see it, we can be it. And that's a huge piece. You can ask elite athletes all of the time, what is a piece of self-confidence um, that gets you to that next level? Visualization with addition to self-talk. Now we have the piece that we're seeing ourselves as a movie, but are we talking to ourselves well? So this is where I take time to listen to the athletes. Sometimes the athletes think I'm just staring off into space, but I'm actually just listening. Because anytime I hear an athlete say, oh, I'm an idiot or yeah, I'm not very good at that. That's negative self-talk. And if they're saying it out loud, what are they saying inside their mind, especially when things get difficult, especially when it's fourth quarter, especially when it gets to the end of the race and things get tough. When a game is tied, what are you gonna tell yourself? You know. And so I'm always listening and however they're talking out loud, most likely that's how they're talking on the inside too. So as, as well as visualization, we need to be, be looking at 
how is their self-talk? Are they talking to themselves like a best friend or are they talking to themselves like they don't really like themselves? And you have to like yourself as a person. You have to get them to enjoy being in their own skin. And we can start small by reframing. Instead of I'm an idiot, <laughs> we can reframe, I'm trying. Uh, instead of saying I'm tired, you can reframe it, I'm never gonna give up. And so what I have them do, especially at the beginning of a season is that they keep a journal with them and I put them through a pretty tough workout and you can do this with strength training, you can do this with running, you can do this with a difficult skill. Um, basketball, you know, I have a bouncy ball in one hand and a regular basketball and they had to dribble at the same time. So a difficult skill and then have them write all the negative self-talk that they had. I hate this, I'm not good at this, I'm never gonna be good at this, why am I doing this? You know, and then have them choose one thing out of the negative self-talk and have them reframe it. Instead of saying, why am I doing this? Maybe I'm getting better because I'm doing this. And so if they can start practicing what they're telling themselves, they're never gonna give up. When they get tired, they're gonna have that practice, like they're gonna keep going and they can see themselves being successful because we've built that self-confidence that they're actually talking to themselves in kind language. And this is part of positive psychology. Yeah. And then, you know, what's, you know, what's, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, what's powerful okay. about what you're saying too. And that I, it, it's, you know, I've been there and you're bringing up so much for me when you're talking, <laughs> I mean, you're really, you're really bringing up so much for me. And I just remember, you know, beating myself up when I didn't, yeah. when I wanted the outcome, wasn't the way that I, wanted it to be. And, um, and the, the self-talk was brutal. It was just absolutely brutal, but you know, and then you can, you know, focus on your self-talk and, and, and the positive, you know, and, and shifting that to a more of a positive mindset. But then again, I'd go out there, Jackie, mm -hmm. and the, the, out, I'd, I'd do something and I wouldn't perform the way that I wanted to. And I'd beat myself up again. It would be all, it'd come right back. But I see the beauty of, of, you know, working with you, if you have access to somebody like you, who can yeah. help in those moments, catch your athletes going there and go, no, redirect it, redirect it on the things that you're doing well, right? So you can help them stop it when they're in this fester of anger, and that they can't stop it themselves, right? It's like, they're just <laughs> throwing a tantrum and a little fit because they lost or whatever they did something that impacted the team and they're and it's a hard thing to forgive themselves and they're in that moment right but to have somebody like you there to help them change those beliefs in that moment is so crucial i think well think of it too they thought of it or they didn't think of it they learned it from somewhere yeah right yeah. so either a coach who was all about winning or maybe another teammate or they saw it from a parent and so now this has been learned right. for a number yeah. of years. Yeah. And it's just like muscle memory, right? We exactly. do things for a number of years. We dribble right-handed and we shoot right-handed for a number of years. And then we're taught to go left-handed. Yeah. We're going to be sloppy and we're not going to be able to do it as well as we can with the right hand. So it's a practice. And that's what a lot of coaches aren't realizing. Like, oh yeah, you can say you can do it all the time. And it's not that. It's noticing that it's the moments when you're tired or those moments where you feel that pressure come on and noticing it in your physical body, because then the mind starts to go. Right. And so you got to just pull them back and have them practice. And that's why I always start with the list. What are the negative talk circle it? And this is what we're going to say and have them practice it for the week because mm -hmm. it is muscle memory. That moment that they're going to get stressed out the next day, that negative talk is going to come right back until they're practicing it over and over and over. Yeah. And yeah. so bringing it into your practices, like, okay, today's going to be a tough day. I'm going to make you a little exhausted. What are you going to practice in your self-talk? What is the one thing you're going to tell yourself over and over and over? I can do it. I'm never going to give up. Some people just say go and I take go over. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we practice that in a workout because if you practice it, then it's going to happen when the competition time comes. 
Yeah, well, confidence is a big part of of uh, performance, and or and it's and it's a big part of of trust. Like what you said, trust right in the beginning. If you don't have that trust in yourself and your ability, then you do lack confidence, yes. and there is work to do. And yes. it's almost like we need you, Jackie, around us at all times to just whisper those things in our ear to remind us. You know what I mean? That's what people need. Yep. But you know, that that's that's a big part of it now, too. You see the kids with the earbuds and athletes with the earbuds, and they're listening to positive self-talk, right? Before they have to perform. It's a big, big part of it. So one other strategy uh, that could be worked on with lack of confidence is uh, listing out strengths. And so what do they believe that they can do really well? And I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but this is also something that can be journaled after a competition. Doesn't matter which competition, I would have the bus sit there in the parking lot until they could list three things that they did really well. And the whole purpose behind that is I was trying to get them to see the value in their racing. I was trying to get them to see the value as them as a teammate. And we would talk about it. And there were a ton of kids that would also say, what I did really well today is I ran next to the person I was supposed to and got them to run faster. So you took that part away from them. You know, it's not all about them sometimes. Let's make it bigger than themselves. And that way, when you are outside yourself, you feel again, good. Whenever we can get an athlete to feel good, they're going to perform well. So if they just help their teammate perform well, that made them feel good. Mm -hmm. And then they want to perform well again, because they have that good feeling mm -hmm. going on. So listing out either the strengths you can do that during practice or what went well. And again, that's part of positive psychology as well. And you can just have them list out real quick. They can share with you um, especially with goal setting, or they can share with the teammates, again, working in that trust if they're sharing what they're good at, because some people feel uncomfortable, but continuing to build that trust by having them talk about things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and then you'll also find still the kids that don't have a lot of confidence because they can't find the three things that they did well, even though you as a coach, you might be the most optimistic coach in the whole world, and you can see the greatness in everyone, they don't see it themselves. So getting them in yeah. the habit of, instead of looking at weaknesses, like, oh, I wish you would have kicked, or I wish you've gone slower in that first mile. I don't talk about that. I talk about what did you do really well? Okay. Those things that you just told me that you did really well, we're going to bring that to the next performance. So I don't talk about weaknesses. And I did this with my sixth grade students. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about what we did not do well during testing and there's a ton of test anxiety. What did you do really well? They took brain breaks. They took their eyes away from the computer and then brought them back. They took a deep breath and they practiced their breathing. You know, those were the things that my students journaled about, about what went well. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the year, I had some kids that couldn't even believe their test performance. They're like, I never believed I could do this well in English language arts. I didn't ever believe I could do this well in math and they earned an award. Some kids got on honor roll for the first time because they started looking at their strengths, not their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to start looking at athletes, even students. What are things that we're doing well? Let's not hover on the things that we're weak on because our strengths are going to take over and everybody's going to be weak at something. Yeah. But that's more negative thinking. We want that positive thinking. Yeah. I, you know, I think that what, we're on the cusp on something I think really big because I really think like people like you need to be in every school, every school, because this is more about performance and not sports. Yes. You know, it really is more about performance than sports and, and helping, helping anyone understand how to perform in stressful situations and provide them with the tools to get there is so crucial. And once you start developing that, then you can implement those tools in yes. all aspects, you know, and you're, you're working with really young people. I love even what you said about you got one of the, the athletes to get out of his mind by supporting another athlete. Yep. And, 
you know, when you think about athletes, we're, we are very self-consumed and we're always worried about, you know, you know, if we're going to win, if we're going to lose the appearance of what that is, what are people going to think? You know, what are people going to think? And you are so inside yourself, but you're using techniques to take them strategies to help them see that it's a bigger picture, which yes. I love because that gets them out of themselves and out of that self-absorption and onto something much bigger. And then they're like going, God, I, I was really valuable to one of my teammates today. And it really felt fantastic. So, that's but that, that's what yeah. needs to happen in all these schools. Every school needs you. So we're going to, the next guest I'm going to have on is cloning Jackie. Yep. <laughs> we're going to do a cloning Jackie episode. No, but we need more performance people in these schools, performance psychologists in the schools. I agree. Or just more people, you know, willing to listen to these podcasts and go to seminars and workshops and, and learn about what are the causes of anxiety and not that it's a done deal but there are strategies to overcome it. Yes. We need to be looking at the positive psychology of it and not so much like, oh, well, just take deep breaths and self-care because I hear that a lot. Or yeah. um, during softball season, it cracked me up. I'm sitting there watching my daughter play and I hear the opposite coach just shouting out, focus, focus. Yeah. I'm like, who taught this 10-year-old how to focus? <laughs> Like, <laughs> right. Do they that, know what focus means? That's exactly. That's old school coaching right there. <laughs> and so I just shook my head and I was like, okay, we hear these catch all phrases, like make sure you self care. And I am a proponent. I talk about self care all the time, but it's because I've explained what it is. Are you sleeping at night? No. Okay. That's not self care. Are you eating lunch? No. Okay. Right. That's self care. So when we talk about self-care, I'm not talking about go and get a massage for yourself right now. Right. Are you doing the essential things to keep your body functioning? Yeah. Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Um, if something hurts, and this is a big one, so this is new school thought. Are you stopping when it hurts? Mm -hmm. Or are you playing through? And so this is a big thing that I've come around in really the last five years is we're not going to push. Even... Mm -hmm. I had, um, I'm doing a cross country camp right now. I had an upcoming eighth grader. He really wanted to do the 500s, but his form was off. So I asked him what's going on. And he's like, my knee and my hamstring. Okay. We're going to do some hip or hip exercises to reactivate his glute. See if that worked and he can try one, but if it hurts, he's done. Mm -hmm. How many coaches talk like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. well, it's a new I, philosophy. That's where they need to be trained too. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's, it, I think you also just, there, there just needs to be more schooling and just more people that study this and then go out and they work with athletes. They're implemented in universities and schools that have big athletic programs and they're providing all of these, these ideas, right? Because most people aren't going to go and get the, the, the education that you, you got to, to do this. Um, but I hope that there's more and more people that do that and they get hired into these institutions that can really help athletes. Absolutely. You know? And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Um, kind of off topic for a second, but I find that's really important. And so I've been trying to create these workshops. First one wasn't successful. So I'm applying my strategies, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not successful, don't give up, like keep going. So I just recorded myself um, on Facebook live on what I would talk about if I had individuals there, because it's that important to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's the well-being of each and every kid that is not sure how to have these coping strategies because they're under tremendous pressure. There's there's so much pressure at school. You It almost feels like you have to be perfect at school and yeah. then you have to be perfect in sports. And if you're in an extracurricular band or orchestra, you have to be perfect at that. And that's not the real world. It's about giving your best when you can, taking care of yourself and noticing when things are out of sync. Are you experiencing anxiety? Well, let's take a look at, are you not trusting yourself anymore? Where did your confidence go? Um, do you feel like you're out of control? And I have 
two more elements to go with that. Futuristic thinking. Are you thinking too far ahead? Um, I'm never going to finish the race. I, I had a swimmer on today. I don't think I can finish the race. What does that mean? <laughs> She's like, I don't think I can do it. And I said, okay, how long is your practice? Hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> two minute race. Hour and a half, two hours. Are you sure you don't think you can make a race? She's yeah. like, well, when you put it that way, I'm like, of course you can. But it's this futuristic thinking. What if I don't make it? And then that translate into my fifth one, the fear of failure. Yes. And it's the fear of failure that grips athletes and causes them to choke. But I feel like that's almost like the last thing on anxiety when they've fallen into, I don't trust myself. I don't have any confidence. I don't think I can do it. I don't know how I'm going to finish this race. So that futuristic thinking, I'm thinking too far ahead. I have zero control. The opponent just passed me or the opponent just took the ball away from me or I struck out. And now I have a fear of failure. Because for some reason, all of that built up, we didn't work on our coping strategies. And now it's debilitating. Like it can physically feel like pain because your body gets so tight and you don't know how to relax it anymore or your mind just shuts down and says, if I don't do my best, then I can never fail. So therefore I'm never gonna do my best because then I don't ever have that option of failing which is scary for a coach to hear because <laughs> mm -hmm. we want the best. And so if we can't get the best out of the kid because they're never going to try because they're afraid of failure, we have to back up and see where is this fear of failure coming from? Mm -hmm. Is it coming from self? Is it coming from the team? Is it coming from coaches or is it coming from parents? So you're the kids like, that so some of these, some of the kids are saying, I'm not going to do my best. It, they're, they're already thinking if I do my best and fail yep, and I enter the outcome isn't what they desire or, or they don't win. So the outcome yep. is winning and it, they, so I'm not going to try as hard because it'll be easier because then I could trick my mind and saying, I didn't really do my best anyway. So yep. maybe I could have won. So there's almost like a bit of self-sabotage in that way of thinking. Yes which is part of the phenomenon of choking, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you've trained, you've done everything you needed to in practice and you go out to perform and it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So then it's what's, what's happening, you know? And I, this is part of the trust if coaches want to use it. Um, what is your greatest fear? And then I just leave it alone. I let them talk. What is your greatest fear? And I tell them that they can't say spiders or bears, like, like real fear. We're talking about sports. What is your greatest fear? And you'll start to hear, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I'm afraid, and this is cross country driven, but I mean, it can apply to sports. I'm afraid of starting too fast and not being able to finish. And that it's, it's like the swimmer said, how long are your practices? Two hours. Yeah. You can't finish a 15 minute race. Sure. You know, and then I follow up once everybody has an opportunity to talk, what is their greatest fear? And so a lot of it, it is a fear of failure. And you'll start to see that in a lot of kids on your teams, what would be the worst thing to happen if that did happen? So the kid that didn't make to the end of the race or yeah. uh, the kid that didn't run their time, because that's what they're afraid of or the, the kid that thought that they weren't good enough? What's the worst case scenario that would happen? And then they would have to play that out in their mind. And then they realize it's not that big of a deal because they're gonna have another opportunity or they're gonna be able to work on that in practice. But they're not asked those questions because we don't wanna talk about failure as a learning opportunity because failure is like a bad word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. those discussions don't really get said, but really what would be the worst thing to happen if you took a risk and you did something you've never done before, if you, if you started faster or if some kids won't even start slower because of a fear of failure, they don't know what's going to happen. 
But if they play out the scenario, what's the worst thing that can happen? If they, they fail. can't think of it. Yeah, if they fail. If you fail, if you do not, or actually if you lean into whatever you're thinking, whatever that thought is, I'm right. never going to make it. I'm going to pass out. They're not going to pass out. <laughs> um, but another, just the one that I hear, I'm not good enough. You can mm -hmm. even go into the question, what does that mean? What does not being good enough mean? And then they're like, I don't know. So why do you think that? Why do you think you're not good enough if you can't even define it? So what does good enough mean? And then they start thinking, you know what? We've talked about strengths. I'm actually really good at that. And then they can start talking themselves out of it. But until we have those difficult conversations, they have no idea where this fear of failure is coming from. And so I think it's really important. And this is again, building that trust on the team. Just ask them. I mean, what was your biggest fear of failure? You were an athlete. What do you think? Putting yourself back in that position. If I were to ask you and you're wrestling, what is your greatest fear? You're right. I mean, it was um, a fear of, of uh, I've always, it was a fear of failure, fear of losing. And then when I, when I, when I look at that question that you ask, so what does that look like? I mean, if you throw yourself into that, then it was always for me, just the concern of what others thought. Mm. I was so consumed with how others perceived me. So if I went out and I didn't win when I knew that I could win, but I didn't, then I was just devastated because I felt like a failure or a loser. And I, almost, I also felt like other people saw me as such. It was really, and I think that that's a big part of how anxiety plays a role in, in people's lives too, is that you're always worried about what they're thinking. You're yes. always concerned about people that you don't even know and how that, what they're, you know, their perception of you and what they're thinking. And that consumes, that can consume you, yep. you know, and it did me for a long time as, and especially at times as an athlete, there were times that I just couldn't break out of my, my mind and I couldn't be present. And there were times that when I connected to the present and I completely let go, I was in a flow in a zone that just, I felt unstoppable. I never got winded. I never got winded. I could go forever. I was just, you know, everything was working. Everything was just working. And there was just no thought process. It was complete, like you say, trust in my ability. I wasn't well, worried about my ability. I wasn't concerned about my ability. There was just an absolute complete trust in my ability. And anytime that that went out the window, yeah. and there were periods of time that it just was, it wasn't there things weren't clicking. And even if things aren't clicking, right, you start off and you're performing and you notice you don't feel right. Things aren't feeling the way and you're not moving the way that you know you're capable of moving. What's And then the thoughts start to seep in. Maybe it's an off night. Maybe I cut too much weight. Maybe all these thoughts, right, start to infiltrate. You don't even, they're so quick. And then there. that starts to impact your performance as well, even though you're not even aware of it because you're in combat. And it's one thing that I've always was, you know, Im impressed with, like, I remember, you know, growing up with Michael Jordan. And I always said this to people, Michael Jordan was one of those athletes. And he was so special because there were times where I would watch the game and Michael start out and he would miss 10 shots in a row. Mm -hmm. obviously he was cold, right? He wasn't warmed up yet, but he'd missed like two, 10 shots in a row. But what's the difference in Michael Jordan and other athletes, even professional athletes, is I never saw it affect his performance. I, I really truly believe that what made Michael Jordan great is that it never registered that he missed 10 shots. In his brain, he was always going, it's gonna, I'm gonna hit the, sooner or later, it's gonna turn on. And he would be the highest scorer in the game, in the end, because he never allowed those, those thoughts to infiltrate his mind and impact his performance, even in a cold start. 
like so many athletes do, we could start thinking, oh, I'm having an off night. I'm ha and that's a negative thought. That's the first one. Then another one will land. Oh, maybe I didn't sleep well enough. Oh, I didn't, you know, um, I didn't maybe whatever's it's I'm off. Something's off. all of these are negative thoughts. And I don't think Michael Jordan ever had to compete with that type of mindset. It just didn't affect him. And I saw him too many times just turn it around and it never looked like he was impacted by, you know, four or five shots that he missed right in a row. He wasn't going, I'm having a bad, bad day or an off day. Right. He just kept new in his mind. I'm still going to be the high scorer. <laughs> it was well, like, that's what makes him so amazing. If you like look at the, the list, you know, that I kind of created the, the five pillars of anxiety, I guess. Did he have a lack of trust in, in himself? Absolutely not. Even though he's missing, he still trusts in his capabilities. So that leads to his confidence. He knows that he's good. Uh, future thinking, he's not thinking like, oh no, because I missed this, that's the end of the game. Like he's still being very present. He's thinking right here, right now, one basket at a time. Yeah. Not, you know, futuristic thinking like this is the end of the game because I missed 10, like. Right. That's okay. Like failure is key to learning. Mm. Um, did he have a lack of control? No, he knew exactly what he was doing. If he shoots like this and he's probably finding his comfort zone, um, how does his body have to move to be successful today? So he's playing in what does he have control over versus what does he not have control over? And then fear of failure. I think he experienced one of the greatest failures of all time and that was his resiliency. That was his adversity. You know, being cut from his basketball team, he knows what that feels like. Mm -hmm. We all have to go through it because we all have to take a risk. And if we don't take that risk and we don't lean into this could not go well, and sometimes it doesn't, but if we don't go into it, if we don't push ourselves to be the very best, we're never gonna learn from it and we're never gonna become the greatest athlete that we can be because we're living in that fear. Mm. We need to lean into that fear to see what we're capable of. And I think Michael Jordan definitely did that every time. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna go above and beyond because he knows what that feels like. He knows what the failure feels like. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so we want athletes to go until failure. We want them to get to that point and then look at it. What, and then we go back to the question, what went well? Let's not look at it like a failure. Yeah, we didn't get the outcome that maybe we wanted, but what went really well? And mm -hmm. let's take that and bring it to the next game, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. So really, when I see a lot of athletes choke, when I see them, you can see them hold their breath. I know that's a form of anxiety and I kind of create this checklist and I say, what do they need? And I listen to them and then I work into that strategy. If it's a lack of confidence, they don't trust themselves. So number one thing, get them to believe that they have some kind of strength because a foundation without strength, the foundation of a house is not going to stand. Right. So let's build that foundation. Let's build their strengths and then keep going because then they're gonna start finding other strengths. But if they can't find one, we have a lot of work to do because everything else is gonna crumble. If they don't have confidence, they're not gonna believe that they're in control of their own lives. Yeah. If they're not having confidence, there's gonna be a fear of failure because they don't believe that they can do something well. Right, yep. If that makes sense. So it yep. all goes into that. So we need to build that foundation in the athletes and the students and in individuals in general. And what do they believe? And I'm not going to give them the answer. So I gave somebody homework today. They couldn't give me the answer of what they were good at. That's mm. your homework. Yeah. You have to come back to me and tell me, what are your strengths? They're like, I don't know how to answer that. And I said, then you're going to search for it until we meet again. Mm -hmm. What are you good at? And I hope that they do make a discovery. If not, I have more work for me. <laughs> well, you know, and what it does too, and I think it's a great exercise because it opens up a discussion, right? Who can they have that conversation with? It's a great conversation to have with your parents. It's a great conversation to have with other people that know you well, friends, siblings, you know, like, what do you feel my strengths are? Help me out. You know, like it's a good conversation to have. 
right? And um, because there are a lot of people that, you know, especially young people that just don't know what they're good at, right. you know, and, and it takes good coaches and it, and it takes, and it really does take really keen um, teachers that can hone in on the strengths that they have and to help them see them. You know, it really does. Um, yeah. So it's great exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a couple more um, strategies for futuristic thinking. I kind of skipped over those because mm -hmm. I think I got a little excited about talking about everything else. Um, but that futuristic thinking where we're out in the yeah. future and we're not here in the present mind. And so the question is always, how do I get back to being in the presence? How do yes. I get back to the right here, right now? And I do have a few strategies. And one is just having that breath awareness that I always say you have two things that you can control. One is your breath and one is what you're thinking. And so as soon as they realize that they're getting anxious, they've been taught some strategies that they're starting to feel it in their shoulders or hips or arms, um, or they're thinking starts racing, bring it back to the breath, take a deep breath in. And I'll even talk it through with them and breathe out. I did this to all my clients today. Take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out. And I have them just do five. And then once they're done with five, how do you feel? And a lot of them go, I feel a lot calmer. I said, this is the state of mind that you want to be in. You want to feel calm. Can you focus on what you need to do right now? Yes, I can. Okay. So first of all, futuristic thinking. They're thinking ahead. I'm never going to make it ahead in the game. I struck out. The game is over, even though it's first inning. Right. Uh, I'm in the first mile. I have to make it two more. How is this going to happen? That's futuristic thinking. It's thinking about stuff that hasn't even happened. You need to pull them back. So take those deep breaths in. Um, segmenting is super important. So if you're racing, look at the next thing ahead of you and focus on that. Um, if it's swim, Think about what you're in right now, this event only. You're in the present time, it's this event over. But I only have four more events after this. Nope, not thinking about that. You're thinking about the right here, right now. This event, this is the only event, this is what you're thinking about. Um, pitchers, I've worked with yeah. a lot of pitchers, one pitch at a time. And so as they come back, you know, they caught the ball from the catcher and as they come back to the mound, they're visualizing what their pitch is going to feel like before they step back on the mound. So as they're walking back, picture it in the mind. Some you'll even see rotate the shoulder for softball. They'll rotate the shoulder, then they step on the mound and they'll go. So segmenting, taking one piece at a time, taking one quarter at a time, taking one plan at a time mm -hmm. can help them bring them back into the present instead of thinking of the end game. This is, yeah. how, the, this is how the end of the game is gonna go. Yeah. Pull it back. You know, where, you know what can be challenging with with that sometimes and you're right it is i i agree it's a it's it's key if you could stay stay in the moment you know it's like i notice for like endurance sports like running for example and you're and you're pushing right even like swimming and let's say you got like four more laps to go but you're breathing so hard you're in a lot of pain you can feel things tensing up because and then you're thinking about how much more you have to go and you're breathing so hard i guess the the trick is is what do you do to stay you know in that moment how what you know to get back to that place is is what you're saying it it, it gets harder though when it's when you're feeling that intensity and pain and you're breathing hard because all of a sudden your your mind is on the pain of your body and the breathing and, oh, wow, I got so much further to go, which is yep. futuristic thinking. Yep. Which is creating more anxiety. Correct. You know, which is making it harder to breathe. So yeah. then what we want them to do is notice that it's happening, right? We notice that anxiety is happening. Okay, I'm panicking a little bit inside my race, especially endurance races. So a lot of cyclists also feel this too. Yeah. Look at the next thing ahead of you. So have them practice this on a longer race or a longer run. I'm going to look at the tree. As soon as I get to the tree, I have the option to stop. I always give that permission because if we, if we do live in the high standards, right, they're not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. Go to the next tree. 
look at the next tree and that's all that they're looking at. So now we're getting into the focus and concentration of sports psychology, right? Mm -hmm. If we can segment and just look at the next thing that we're not thinking about the end, we're not thinking about the mile marker, we're just looking at the next thing up ahead. And when I work with athletes doing that part of segmenting, yeah. they're able to just control their breath because all they have to do is just get to that tree or they have to just get to that mailbox. And it focuses their mind a little bit more instead of thinking so far ahead, you're limiting their focus. And that's sure. what you want when you segment. So even when it's a play, um, a football play, you're just living in that moment, in that play, that's it. You're not thinking about what the offense is doing or what the defense is doing, this one play. You have a job to do, you just do that job for the play. Yeah, and then yeah. it moves on to the next play. But if they get overwhelmed, somebody made a mistake, we go back to what is in your control and what is outside of your control. So all of these concepts kind of interlink. As soon as we notice why we're future thinking, we need to figure out why are they thinking ahead? Mm -hmm. And if we can segment, awesome. It sounds like what you actually had to do in wrestling was thought stopping. So mm -hmm. teaching athletes yeah. how to shut down the thoughts yeah, and just have your body almost go into an autopilot into a flow and that's more of an advanced kind of skill. And okay. so I don't teach that unless their thinking is really out of control. And then I'll pull one or two athletes out at a time and like think of a white piece of paper. And so they're thinking of it, they're visualizing it. And I'm like, that's all I want you to think about when you're performing. Think of that piece of paper, think of the color, think of the four corners. Something so simple, something yep. simple to bring them back. Yep. One, I, we want them to stop thinking, but really I want the chatter in their brains to stop. Yes. So I have them just create this piece of paper and I always have paper on me. So I'm like, think of the paper. Yeah. And, and then I do have some kids that are able to just shut it down, like finding paper and then they're able to flow with it. They're able to just breathe and let their bodies respond to the action. Um, but that one's a little bit more dip difficult for them to realize because then they're like I keep thinking sure, okay yeah. well let's reform our thinking or reframe our thinking to the positive self-talk what are we saying in this chatter that won't stop mm. are we telling ourselves a mantra you can write out a script I have index cards write out a script what is the only thing you're going to tell yourself today and they look at it before they compete set it down that's the only thing I'm going to tell myself so that's a form of thought stopping, but also positive self-talk that this is the only mantra I'm going to say, and they're going to commit to it. And we tend to see better results instead of thinking about the ends. Let's keep yeah. them right here. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Thank you. I love those tips. I'm actually going to do, um, what do you call that? Where you're the, uh, the, the, um, when I'm running and I want to segmenting segmenting because i was i went for a run today super hot i told you it's super it's super super humid it's like 90 i think it was like 96 today Ooh. and uh and i was just having a hard time breathing and uh but you know and i was i was realizing too that i was futuristic in the future i was hoping just i just wanted at the end Yep. You know, so I needed to start segmenting to pull myself back into yes. that moment, because I'll tell you, most of the time, I'm pretty good at running. I've been running for a long time. And but there are times like today, and it's rare that I can't wait till it's over because I'm in a lot of pain. My <laughs> yeah. breathing is so hot. I'm dripping. And it's so really let's, let's reframe for a second. You are very proud of yourself because you did something that was difficult and you overcame that. Yeah. You're very proud that you did that. I am. Because our, and this gets into a whole other thing that you're perceiving your effort as difficult. So that perception keeps you limited. Yeah. Even though your body could go farther, you're perceiving yourself as working very, very hard because it's a very difficult day, but your body could still go forward. So yeah. just reframe it, positive thinking. <laughs> And that you can do it. You're getting stronger working through this. I'm going to be reframing my whole life after this. Jackie. <laughs> well, and just to say too, I had a fourth grader. I have a cross country camp I'm doing right now. I had a fourth grader come up after his 400s 
And he said, you know what I learned about myself? And I said, what did you learn? And he said that I can segment the 400s and they're not difficult. Wow. <laughs> that is music to my ears. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that is, that's amazing. He and that's segmenting. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're teaching them meditation. You're teaching them how to stay connected. You're teaching them how to stay present. There aren't any better teachings than what you're doing. And I think it's brilliant. Jackie Story is a sports psychologist with elite performance. Jackie, thank you so much for doing this today. This has been awesome. It has been just a pleasure. I do find all of these skills so relevant to just human beings in general. So um, yeah, I, I hope to be back talking about this because we just touched on anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you need to be out there talking about it because I think it's crucial. Like I said, I think they need you. You need to be in sports psychologists, performance psychologists need to be in all schools, universities, working with young people because I think it's the key. I think it's the key. There's a lot of people that that don't trust themselves. There's a lot of people that don't believe in themselves, and there's a lot of people that have a lot of chatter that reinforce those ideas. And it's really helping them understand that they do have strengths and they do have a lot of, a lot of skills and they do have a lot of power within that they're not even realizing until they, they, they meet somebody like you that can help them see that, you know? So it's, it's really important, but um, thanks again for doing this Jackie. And um, yeah, look forward to, to, to doing this again. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great evening. You too.